0: Yo, what's going on, everybody? We're back for yet another live stream. Damn, how are we feeling?
1: Live streams are where it's at, man. I don't know why we didn't do this sooner. We should have. I, I really don't know why we didn't, but great to see everybody pouring in here. If you got any questions for us, let us know. Zach, the fans probably know by now because of the sick video that we put out, but we were at the NC State game. It was a very fun time. Fantastic seats. There's no place like the dome, Zach.
0: There's absolutely no place like the dome. A lot of fun, and we have that video now. If, I mean, sh- should we just rip it off?
1: I think we need to, man. I, I if people haven't seen it yet, check out our our footage of uh, the NC State game.
0: Yeah, let's take a look. Yeah, vintage. We were we're definitely on our phone the entire time. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, it was a business trip. It was a business. content trip, but it was also, you know, a very enjoyable trip. So yes, on the phone the whole time, but like for good reason, you know. There was there was content that was to be made. You got to take advantage of the situation. But the dome is such a picturesque place, man. Uh, that's that's my reasoning behind that. It's it's such a beautiful atmosphere, and there were there was a lot of fans there, a lot more than actually I was expecting. I don't know about you, man.
0: Yeah, no, it felt felt good. I think there was, I think the. the There was like 20,000 people there. Um, That was the final numbers there. But yeah, it felt loud, proud. The Blizzard was in full effect. The student section was was loud and proud. Yeah, it was was a great atmosphere. It was really fun to be there.
1: I've got a question for everybody that's watching now. What is your go-to pregame spot to get dinner, to get lunch, or whatever? So Zach and I, for years, it's been one of two places. It's been either Johnny Rockets or P.F. Chang's. So I got to ask you all, like, what what is your go-to spot? What do you guys like? We're trying to find some other places, too. So any sort of suggestions, let us know. want to ask you, Zach, what's better, Johnny Rockets or P.F. Chang's pregame meal?
0: Yeah, I mean, we we got to venture away from Destiny, I think, and maybe hit up yeah. Marshall Street or wherever people say in the chat here. But between the two, I think... Um, P.F. Shout out
1: to Scotty Press Room. Press room. <laughs> yep.
0: All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I I've seen someone on Twitter like goes over the the press food, and they yep. give a review every game. So maybe it's good.
1: Yeah. I I think you know as as nice as Destiny may be, I do want to support the local businesses. So yeah. Any sort of recommendations you guys have, let us know. Pf Chang's has always been. I mean, we've been going there for, what Zach like. F- f- four five years now something like that it's been it's been a very long time
0: oh press room bob it's a bar
1: yep yep yeah yeah, yeah. I, Coffee, i've heard okay. of that yep we will keep that in our back pocket the next time that we're going press room pub here it is man a lot of really good reviews yeah we'll have to go there we'll have to check it out it always you know the problem is is uh It sounds very silly and sounds very grown up, but it's always like parking. Everybody, we tried to get reservations for Cheesecake Factory, and it was like an hour wait when we were trying to eat at like 4.30. So it's very popular, all those spots are. So we just have to kind of, I don't know if it's on us, Zach, if we got planned better or if it's just, you know, Syracuse is just the spot to be, I guess.
0: Oh, Scott's actually talking in the press room. I figured he was. (laughs) I
1: figured he was, but, you know, I do appreciate Press room pub as well. We'll check that out. We'll check. We'll check out both places. I mean, if we can, we I'm not. I'm not really sure if we're gonna be able to, but still, a great win by uh Cuse Nation. Really, really fun crowd. The student section really showed up for that whiteout. Man, that was really, really
0: fun to see. Yeah. Would you say? I know a lot of people online on Twitter and stuff are saying that this could have been the the best performance of the year. What do you think about that?
1: The best performance of the year. I would say as far as JJ's concerned, Ben's got it right, man. JJ killed it. He was fantastic. It was, I think by far his best game, his, his most I mean, emotional career game. Career night, yeah. Yeah, a absolute career night. And I think, you know, defensively for probably like 90% of the game, we were excellent. We were really, really good. I was very impressed by the way that we were able to stop a lot of their big scores. But um, yeah, I would say overall, like we held DJ Burns to only two points in the first half or as the guy behind us called him <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, But uh, yeah, I would say overall, this is up there, man. This is like top three best games that we've had all season.
0: Yeah, no, it was a great bounce back like Scott just mentioned. And this team seems to have a knack to bounce back. They've done that every loss this season other than, you know, those back-to-back losses we, we had in Malibu. Otherwise, they've always found a way to bounce back after the loss, and it's a great grit that this team has.
1: It really is, and I've been extremely impressed with JJ. As you mentioned, it was a career high twenty six points for him. He is the difference maker. He is the guy that um, looks, you know, the team is looking to for for that emotion right now. It was interesting. Q kind of had a, a quiet game, so the energy that he provides wasn't necessarily there, but it was completely made up for by the fact that JJ was firing on all cylinders. Chris had a couple of great moments still have no idea why he got teed up. If anybody has any sort of input on that, it'd be great because I tried to dig through Twitter and I couldn't find anything, but yeah, it was, it was weird being there in person. Like nobody had any clue why he got teed up, but um you know, he was able, JJ was able to really provide that energy that, um, I think would have otherwise been sorely missed, um, this team, man. Yeah. When they're, when they all get going, man, it's, it's a, it's a crazy, scary team.
0: Yeah. I think what was key about this game was JJ from the start, had a great start, went for two for two and defensively too. the energy was high. It was there from, from the jump and. Those first two possessions were like turnovers. So I think the mm-hmm. key there was from the jump, we set the tone, we set the pace, and we just rode it for the rest of the game. So it, I really do think coming out of that energy, and I, I do think, you know, the, the Dome, the Orange Faithful had an had impact on the excitement for those guys yeah. bringing the energy, but you could really feel the energy and effort that those guys were putting, putting it into the game.
1: Am I seeing this right, that all starters had at least one steal? Judah yeah. led with four? Man, that's insane. I You always think about like Malik as the guy that is the best defender on the team. Judah, man, recently too, he's been really good on defense. And I know that we've talked about it before, but you had mentioned in the beginning of the year that one of the places that he needed to improve upon was was his defense. And I think... I don't know about all of you, but I, I think that he's really proved that he is a very good defender now.
0: I mean, the man certainly knows how to get some steals. He he His four matched NC State's steals. They had four, he had four. So he uh, definitely knows how to steal the ball, that's that's for sure.
1: I will say um, it seemed like they had quite a few attempts from three. There was a, a moment where they were starting to kind of get back into it. They're really knocking down their shots and that's still what worries me. We're, we're what second worst in the ACC for, um, three points allowed. So I I feel like that might be an area of the game that we kind of need to start looking to at least defensively. Um, but yeah, when you see it in person, you notice that we, I don't know if it's that we necessarily get beat a lot or what it is, but, um, I feel like it's something that at least the coaches, I'm, I'm assuming that they do, but at least from a fan's perspective, starting to kind of catch on to a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, NC State had eight made threes in the game. They took 25. And there was certainly a stretch throw where I felt like they made a few in a row. You know, that lull in the second half where they started to come back a little bit where, you know, we took the foot off the gas a little bit. We were a little lax. We were ready to go enjoy our Saturday night, I think a little too early making some threes, but yeah, I, I, and some of them were pretty open to So I think that is something defensively we're still working on, but we'll get there.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I know we will, but when I ask all of you, like defensively, have y'all been happy? You know, what are some areas that you're seeing personally that we kind of need to step it up a little bit? I, I, I didn't know that we were getting out rebounded so much. And then when you see it in person, you can tell that, you know, size wise, sometimes we get beat as much as we held him to just two points in the first half. DJ Burns did make his presence known under the boards. So I think, you know, Malik is, is fantastic. I just worry that he doesn't necessarily have the height that we are looking for. Um, but that being said, Malik is, is so good defensively and such a good um, stand-in center that I feel like he he gets the job done, but we're definitely missing somebody that is like purely fantastic on rebounds.
0: Yeah, I think, I really do think Malik stepped up in a big way, like you mentioned. He held, he held DJ Burns, the tank, to two points yeah. in the first half. He finished with four rebounds, only four rebounds, and it just felt like he really had the best of them. Obviously, he did get in foul trouble the second half. And our guy Peter Carey stepped up and provided yes. some you know, positive minutes, which we'll, we'll touch on in a minute here. But Malik really, truly shut the tank down in my eyes. And he, he had absolutely fantastic performance. I know, otherwise, when you look elsewhere on, on the stat sheet, it's not nothing, nothing screams at you, but he had a fantastic game.
1: I completely agree with you, Jackson. I've I've been very impressed by the step up defensively this year compared to last year. I know last year it was definitely a struggle for us, but this year, you know, we're, I feel like finally becoming a solid defensive team. I don't know if it's because of the man-to-man. I don't know if it's because of just the personnel that we have out there, but it's nice to be able to have that different look. I didn't really know. Did we go to zone too much when against nc state i
0: don't think very often i mean the only time we usually go to zone is like out of out of out of bounds places we always we always do zone but pretty much man-to-man uh through and through
1: yeah so i i feel like that might be the difference maker at least from last year compared to this year but um yeah scotty that's a that's a bold bold take if we put it together a complete game we could we could hang with unc We were just talking before we went live about how somebody in the middle of the pack in the ACC needs to be UNC. It needs to be us. I would love for it to be us. But people have been kind of disrespecting the ACC a little bit. So we need to show them that, hey, we can hang with UNC. It's not just UNC and Duke in this conference. Anybody can take down anybody in this conference, even Louisville. Even Louisville can still hang with, with some of the best up there. I feel like, yeah, we've been getting disrespected a little bit too much, Zach.
0: Yeah, the disrespect that ACC has been getting nationally is, I mean, it's like third or fourth year in a row now where we're getting disrespected and we always make, we always prove everyone wrong. All the teams that make that make it do super well in the tournament. So I'm not really sure where this disrespect and why the reputation isn't good. Obviously a few years ago when Duke and UNC wasn't good, everyone kind of wrote off we right off the ACC, but Duke and UNC are good again. So I'm not really sure what people need to see from the ACC to think that we're a good league. But we all know here, everyone in the chat knows we're, we're a good league and it's unfortunate that no one else does, but they'll know soon enough.
1: It is weird, man. It's weird how things change and the ACC isn't looked to as much. The Big 12 is now the, you know, they, they have... I just looked at it just now. They've got several teams in the top twenty-five, but um, the Big Twelve, the SEC, you'd mentioned the Big Ten has been getting a lot of talk. It's just weird how you know it's kind of cyclical almost. The ACC will kind of die down a little bit, come back. You know the other conferences will kind of step it up, especially the SEC. It was it's been a little bit since they've gotten a little bit of recognition, but uh, you know it's it's I don't know. It's just interesting that the cyclical ways of the NCAA rankings is just very, very interesting to me. I'm still not a fan of the emphasis that quad wins have on all this, but whatever it is. I mean, I don't have another, do you have another idea of how we can rank teams? It's, it just puts such an emphasis on how well you do in November and how well you do in out of conference play.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I definitely don't have an idea, but, it it does feel like your reputation is based and set in stone in your non conference schedule, and that's when you're playing at your worst in November and December. And we all know, especially a Q's team, they're they're a way different team come February March. So it feels a little unfair to box a team in and be like, okay, this is this is a good team. Obviously, the things change and there's wiggle room, but it just feels like, you know, the ACC didn't have a great non conference, so now we're just a bad conference. So. It's so
1: weird, it's so and then, like you had mentioned, uh, you're basically held to whatever standard you're put at in November, so then come November, it's like, okay, the a c c didn't have a good out of conference schedule or uh out of conference record, so then the whole conference still must not be very strong, and I feel like in that regard, it's very unfair to. You know, put such an emphasis on the beginning of the year when teams are nowhere near developed. I mean, look, think about how we were back pre Maui. I'm not saying that we're ready for Maui right now, but we are leaps and bounds ahead of where we were. So, you know, teams change. It, it, it takes a very long time for these things to develop. And I don't know. I just feel like it's it's a lot of emphasis, especially in November. You had mentioned, um, I want everybody's take on this because I feel like this is a a pretty, pretty good, pretty interesting idea. But having, you know, in the middle, towards the end of the year, just have like, what would you say? Like two weeks of just like out of conference play, just see what happens. Um, that could be pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, and Scott makes a good point here that we always want to quantify things, but it's not always the best assessment, especially with a season that lasts over several months. Yeah, I totally agree. We're all on the same page here. We also missed a few comments earlier on here. Guy Vintage mentioned early on that when the crowd is into it, we can win games, and the crowd was flat at FSU. And then we also missed one from Jackson. The energy step-up is also very good. Looks like we care a lot more. Definitely agree with the energy. When the energy is in the building, you can see it in the players. It's all around energy up from the crowd to the players. It's a great thing to see.
1: It's nice to see the players really uh, get into the crowd. I like that. I like seeing JJ. It was hype, dude. It was hype. Yeah. JJ, the hometown hero, Um, really, really, I think, you know, loves, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he he seems like he really loves putting on that QC uniform. He looks good in it too, man. It's almost like, you know, Zach, do you think Judah and JJ are the best backcourt in the country right now?
0: I mean, when you combine for 46 points, I think that's that's up there with the best. So, I I would say so. I mean, it's pretty unreal. Judah had a great game as well. 20 points from him. And then and 14 of those coming from the free throw line, which is just insane. I mean, obviously, we know the man lives on the free throw line. He collects his mail there every, every night. Yeah. But it's just crazy his ability to get to the line. Sometimes it is, like, silly. The way he's able to draw yeah. the foul, it's like... He 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 should you know there there should be a day when not to say it's a, he's he's acting too much but he he could be an actor I think
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I did find it interesting that uh the guy to our right really got annoyed when Judah was holding on to the ball a little bit too long that's Judah's game man he's gonna try to drive in he's gonna try to create opportunities for himself and for the team but um I, I did find it interesting that people are still kind of like low key hating on judo a little bit with his game I, I don't know why but people really get annoyed when he he holds onto the ball a little bit too long tries to do a little bit too much with it i get it i i totally get it that it can be frustrating sometimes but that's his game you know that's his game and that's his bread and butter is drawing the fouls trying to be aggressive and i don't know i i feel like that's the whole reason why he's been so successful for this team is creating the opportunities when there may not be one. He's a very aggressive player, and I feel like that's what's been, um, you know, that's what's been missing for for our team for a little bit.
0: He also had nine assists, so he's looking to facilitate too. He had that game against Miami where he had, you know, the career high thirteen assists, and that was, you know, that was just two two games ago. So he's he's getting his assist numbers out more. He's he's looking to facilitate more, and when he's facilitating more, I I think he the team is better. When he when he has more assists, I think the team the team flows better, the offense is flowing better. It's also just saying that guys are making shots, you know, because when he's when people, people, people people are catching his passes and, and and knocking them down.
1: Yeah. 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 So, you know, as we had mentioned, uh, you know, ten point, you know, however many assists Judah is so much better than, you know, twenty six point no assist Judah. So he is uh, an excellent uh, addition to this team. I'm I'm really happy with the way that he is. I feel like he's really blossomed this year and we're really starting to see it. Another guy that we're starting to kind of see really positive minutes from and, and a lot of really good things from because he's getting those positive minutes is uh, Peter Carey, man. Peter Carey kind of came out of nowhere and is starting to really have a role on this team. Like you had mentioned earlier, he had a great effort against DJ Burns was really holding them down.
0: Yeah, he really was, and what I loved most about this is, and we even had you know instance of it early on when we mentioned him is, this, everyone has been so so supportive. That was even in the dome, they clapped him off when he when he went on. People were cheering him on as he was in game. Every rebound he he got, there was a nice little, you know, cheer for him. And it was really cool to see everyone be so supportive of him. As a guy, you know, who is very new to this role, who, you know, didn't play it all last year, who hasn't played much, much all this year at all. So it's really cool to see everyone kind of supporting him. And I mean, obviously he deserved it. He had some really positive minutes. He really took took it against DJ Burns. Obviously, DJ Burns still, still got stuff. I mean, he has like 70, 80 pounds on him probably. So quite the size difference there. But. He played with a lot of heart, and uh, I think everyone noticed that.
1: Do you think he could be that number two guy that we've been kind of looking for um, outside of Malik? Obviously, Malik's been the guy to kind of step in and really take charge um, at the five this season. Do you think that he could be the backup guy uh, going forward?
0: I mean, it seems like it, and I think it's really important that he's, he's able to continue to have this role and be able to have positive minutes and positive influences on the game. And I think ultimately that's going to be a difference maker because Malik can't play full games yet. You know, he's followed trouble. Just in general, he needs some breaks. So we need someone to be able to play five. We've seen Benny a little bit in the past, but I think uh, Peter could be the answer. We'll, I guess we'll see moving forward here.
1: Yeah, I, I've been pretty surprised. I don't know about you all, but I, I really thought that Moo was gonna be the guy that was gonna come in, he had the experience under his wing, and that he was gonna be the guy to kind of step up and be um, you know, behind Malik and be the guy to get the most minutes behind him. But Peter Carey really kind of came out of nowhere. And I I was, you know, the the problem was was that last year we didn't really see too much of him. You know, he got injured, had surgery, and missed basically the entire year. I think he only got what, two games of playtime. So didn't really know what to expect of him and really started to see his role develop and, uh, blossom to what it is now. I think it's something that you can build on with his talent. It's, it's something that the, the program can really kind of grab a hold of and, and really, um, you know develop and i think that that's the most promising sign is that you can see how he's going to be able to grow moving forward he needs to i think his his jumper is a little you know not not quite there i think maybe some of the the dome jitters kind of got to him a little bit but he he played really well and i was very surprised he really held his own against a guy like the the escalade man <laughs> if you can if you can out rebound the escalade and you can box out the Escalade, man, you're going to be fine moving forward. So I was really impressed with him. And I, I think this is definitely, uh, um, you know, something that you can move on, you know, going forward.
0: Yeah. Giovanni makes a great point here. He said, I'd, I'd love to see what he can do on the offensive end. Once he gains some confidence, that's hundred percent true. Once he gets that first bucket in, once he, you know, he finds a flow. Once he feels like, you know, I can do this. I feel like really uh make him take another step forward here you know he he took a step this game and hopefully you know that first bucket other positive things will happen and he'll keep on taking those step forward in developing but yeah i mean like leads- he he's still new in his role so we got to give him some some patience yeah i mean this leads to the
1: question though uh i don't want to look ahead too far because you know there's still a lot that's going to happen between now and then but it kind of leads to the question like you know what would happen next year you know who's going to be in that number two spot is it going to be big will is it still going to be peter carey who's it going to be and i feel like you know that's kind of a uh, a coach's dream is to be able to pick up you know from a, a great pool of talent um i know that the coaching staff has said that the big will is not quite there yet that he his talent is there but just you know skills wise it's just not quite up to what it needs to be. Um, so, yeah, I feel like it's, you know, it was kind of interesting just to see that Peter Carey really taking advantage of the situation and uh, um, really run along with it.
0: Yeah. One more thing on that is this, I think it's really great that we're developing him because obviously the biggest thing that's the biggest bummer about Naheem going down is obviously, you know, losing your starting center. But after that is this developing him because yeah, now that he's out for the rest of the, this whole year, we don't have any time to, to develop him, which obviously he needs development. And when Malik is your center, your starting center, who are you developing in the center position? So, any minutes from an actual center who's going to be on the team, you know, the coming years, I think is really, really important because we need that development. I mean, who knows what will happen next year, but love to see. Again, really loved what we all, what we saw, what we saw from Peter. And hopefully, you know, more positive steps are taken.
1: Really want to touch on um, the halftime ceremony uh, honoring Dave Bing. The, it was, it was a really, really nice uh, moment having, you know, Beheim was on the court. Um, Some of the, the, uh, his former teammates were on the court there too. He had a really nice speech to um, Syracuse faithful. And I don't know if they, showed it on um on tv but it was really nice to uh be able to witness that and he actually was like sitting like just a few rows um below us I thought that was pretty neat but uh yeah really really nice stuff from the university I thought that they did a fantastic job um uh inducting him into the the ring of honors act
0: yeah and it's so easy to kind of look over him and not really, I mean, he played in 1962 to 65, I believe. So it's quite, quite some time ago, you know, that's probably when around when our parents were being born. So it, it's quite some time ago, but yeah, you know, I did, I did a little YouTube rabbit hole and went down and you, you, you gotta do your due diligence here because he had an amazing career. He averaged 24 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, six assists at QS which is like almost a triple-double. He was roommates with Jim. He was was honestly, he is etched in the Mount Rushmore of Syracuse. He was a catalyst for a struggling team. He helped recruit Derek Coleman, not to mention the fantastic NBA career he went on to go have 12 years. He made the top 75 all-time team. Jim Boeheim, interviewed recently, regarded him or compared him to a modern day John Morant. That
1: that's is, a hell of a comparison for both comparison. Dave. That's a hell of a comparison for both Dave Bing and John Morant. That's interesting. You know, I, I, I also didn't know that, uh, you know, they were, I appreciate the love Ben, but, um, I, I didn't know that, that he was roommates with Jim. I thought that was pretty interesting. It was a nice little tidbit that they threw it that uh, David threw thrown in there when uh, um, Jim was, was being uh, recognized as well. So yeah, I kind of did the same thing. I I couldn't get the number out of my head. Almost 25 points a game at Q's that he averaged is nuts. We would, we would kill to have that right now as great as Judah is and as great as JJ is. Man, that would be insane to have uh career numbers like that in a Q uniform. And um, the man has lived a, a hell of a life, as well as going to the NBA, was the former mayor, mayor of Detroit. He's done a ton of foundation work. Um, you know, I, I feel like the the students nowadays, you know, as as great as Carmelo is and as great as the recent history is, really study up on um you know guys like Dave Bing because the the work that they've done in Cuse uniform and as well as you know after Cuse is just it's really impressive to say the least. And you know like you said he's kind of overlooked almost. So um, yeah, really really cool to be a part of that and to be able to witness um, him getting inducted.
0: Yeah, shout out v- vintage Shirkies, vintage shirky's basketball. You know educating everybody on. Yeah, all, all the history of Syracuse basketball because it is really important, and you know, we don't know enough, and certainly a lot of other people don't too. So it's really good to to look back and, and learn about some of these guys and just the history. It's it's super super important.
1: I uh, I want to switch gears to just kind of give an overview on how we're looking NET wise. Last time that we went live, we had uh, mentioned that. There's definitely some movement with the NET rankings. What's considered a quad one win. What's considered a quad two, et cetera. Um, Oregon's getting close. Oregon's getting close. They're 54th right now. They need to be at 54 to be considered a quad one win. Um, that is something that I've been kind of keeping my eyes peeled on. Also, uh, Cornell of all teams has been really, really hot in the Ivy League. They're 79th right now. Um, they need to be 75th in order for them to be considered a quad two, but the Ivy league has been, uh, yeah, really, really tough to say the least. So, um, to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit, Zach and I are from the Ithaca area. I'm still in the Ithaca area and I really need to go check out a Cornell game, man, because uh, I've been looking at their record, keeping tabs with how they're doing the Ivy league. It's an impressive team so far. And, um, to get a win on them is, you know, Earlier in the year, I was like, ah, you know, it's just Cornell. But now it's 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 impressive that we were able to get away with that. They're a solid team.
0: Yeah, I know. It was really cool to see Cornell playing so well, especially because they are a local team and very local to Cam and I. So hopefully they they keep playing well, and hopefully they, they make it to the big dancer this year. That would be that'd be really cool to see. I mean, the Ivy League is super, super competitive, especially at the top. So we'll we'll see how the... Ivy League season and especially the tournament plays out here. But NC State is also another team. Obviously, we just played them, but they're kind of near. There's also, there's just, there's a few other teams too that we're looking out to change. I mean, essentially, if you draw a line between Q2 and Q3, Q1 and Q2 is the most important. Q3 is relatively important. Q4 is pretty much, you don't really care about, but Q1 and Q2 is super, super important. That's like, Cream of the crop, that's what you're going for. That's what you that's that's like the resume building wins. Right now we only have four, which is we want as many as we can get. So if you know, Cornell can get switched to Q two, that is huge. Other teams coming up, like or Q two, that's also huge. So big focus on that. Obviously, you know, the net can be a little confusing. You know, it's relatively new system, came out in twenty nineteen, so we're we're still trying to learn it. I mean, people are still trying to learn it, so it's kind of like whatever, but that's where we're at. I mean, I know still a little early to really dig into projections and whatnot, but we are in some projections being in the first four out, so right, right there on the bubble. But, of course, on the other side of the coin, people have three ACC teams making the field and, again, just disrespecting the league, which we've already touched on.
1: I don't understand that. I really don't understand why it's, you know, three teams making the field. I, I don't love this emphasis on NC, uh, UNC, Duke, and then uh, the third one being Clemson. But I don't understand this whole, like, just focus on them. The rest of the ACC is garbage. I I, I do not understand it. And that's why I said, like, a team desperately needs to beat UNC. I would love for it to be us, but we need to be able to show that hey, the ACC is actually good from top to bottom. And it's just interesting being in this uh, position when you know it—it's been a—it's been a decent bit since we've been talking about three ACC teams making March Madness. I, I don't remember the last time that that actually happened. So I don't know. I—I'm—I'm I'm not vibing with that. I—I I feel like that's—that's. That's, Big time disrespect. And I don't know. I, I feel like the the talent of the ACC has just been overlooked way too much, especially the past like two years.
0: Yeah, for sure. We're going to shift gears here a little bit and we're going to look at our lineup with a little game here. So we'd love to encourage anyone in the chat to to, to uh, give us their ideas, of what they think the best lineup could be. We have this little graphic that we can play with, move people around. And kind of uh, have a little, you know, little little game, if you will, we can play. So obviously, everyone knows the starting lineup is is of course Jude at the one, our guy JJ absolutely killing it lately at the two, and you got CB Justin Taylor, and then then of course our guy Malik. That's the starting five right now. It's been the starting line since Naheem went down. General thoughts on our starting lineup?
1: I feel like. The guy that's gonna get the most heat right now is gonna be JT. I think that JT has been pretty cold as of recent. Um, Chris Bell has shown that he can really go on on you know times when he's dropping twenty, dropping you know fifteen or whatever. Um, He's been a little bit more consistent than JT, and I feel like we haven't. I mean, we haven't seen a double digit game from JT since what I say the Niagara game or something. So I, I feel like he's the kind of the one that's going to be coming under a lot of heat here. Um, I agree with Scotty. I think you got to put Q at four. I think that JT, as much as I love him, he, he's got a, you know, Q is more than earned his spot in this starting lineup. I don't think that you can put Benny in there yet. I think that he's got a little bit more, uh, growing to do. And, and as much as he's been, you know, he's getting a lot more minutes. I've been really happy with Benny's play. I feel like Q is the guy that you got to look to um, to put in that starting lineup.
0: Yeah, Q's been playing well. I do think he's taken a little bit of a lapse these last few games here, but that's, you know, that happens. Um, but Q has been electric. I do think Benny is, he he's one of the first off the bench as well. He, he provides really great minutes. And then, you know, again, Peter again has been coming in and doing some good stuff too. Yeah. Scott mentions that JT seems to be lacking some confidence. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is. I, I think it that could be part of it. I, I just think, yeah, he, he needs, I think, yeah, I think he needs like, I would love to see a play drawn up for him to get a shot and just to get him just get him going. I know they do it sometimes, but I'd love to see them try to do that and see if, see if that can help.
1: They did it on an inbound. I remember because I remember talking to you about like, Oh no, that play was for, for JT got a shot up and he missed, but it it was nice to be able to see him, you know, like Scott, like Scott just said, pull the trigger and be able to, you know, get, get a look because I feel like as a shooter, what you're craving is to get any sort of look possible. And up until that point, I felt like he hadn't even really touched the ball. There was nothing really drawn up for him. He was in there for a decent bit and really he, he never really got the ball. He wasn't doing too much off-ball movement. I've been noticing that a lot with Chris. Next game, look at how much off-ball movement Chris, was, Chris has been having and I feel like that's what's been leading to his success is he's getting to spots, he's creating opportunities for himself. I feel like JT I don't know whether it's he needs to focus a little bit more on that or if it's just he needs to focus on, you know, knocking some shots down, but I love the guy. I want to see some success out of him, but I have not been seeing it too much from him. And I feel like, you know, he's such an important piece to this team. And it really kind of took me by surprise, especially earlier on in the season that he just, you know, he just hasn't been having it this year.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. Another guy I want to give a little shout out to is this guy, Kyle Cuff. You know, obviously this last game, he didn't have too much going on, but I just I love the way he plays. He, he, he dude, the athleticism he has for kind of a smaller guy. And he just plays. He plays some great defense, great effort whenever he's on the court. I've always loved the minutes that he's given us. He was huge in that Oregon game a few games ago, and that stretch when the when when the second squad when the bench was just erupting and kind of saved saved us from that little dip we were taking. But I love Kyle minutes, and anytime he gets in in the lineup, it's usually pr- productive.
1: Yeah, Kyle. Um, he's been such an asset to. I feel like the success of Judah and JJ where if Kyle comes in and either Judah or JJ are out, you don't feel too worried about it. You you feel like, okay, you know, Kyle's in, he's going to eat up some minutes here. He's going to get some success. He's such a good shooter. I feel like Kyle, a little bit undervalued uh, as a player. I'm not going to say he's the most undervalued player on the roster, but I feel like he doesn't get too much love just because his minutes are a little bit inconsistent, but Kyle, when he comes in, you feel very comfortable. You feel like, okay, you know, it's going to be good. Like I said, he's going to get some points in. But, yeah, I've been very impressed with him. And um, even though he didn't do too much against NC State, there's still been so many moments this season that, you you know, he's he's come in and and really uh, uh, gotten the job done for sure.
0: Yeah. So if you had to say one through five, who's our best lineup? Not starting lineup, just... At a point during the game, who who is the best lineup?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I would say, I mean, you gotta put Judah in there. When Judah's yeah. cooking, he's cooking, man. I mean, he's he's the one of the best players in the country. You gotta put him in there at the one. JJ has been so good recently. He has been on a tear. Um, I would most certainly put him at the two. I feel like you get. You get good minutes from from Chris, and you get some good points from Chris. I feel like he's doing all the right things. He, the problem with shooters is that they can be inconsistent. They can be very inconsistent. You can get either 20 from them. You can get three from them. You can get zero from them. But I feel like with Chris, he's really started to come into his own. Last year, he, he's probably one of the most improved players on this roster. Um, I feel like you've got to put Chris at the three. And then the four is where it gets a little bit tricky who is the best lineup i feel like it depends on what the game is i feel like as of recently it's been q but you got games like nc state where wasn't so hot wasn't so great um you know you can make an argument that you could probably put benny there at the four but i feel like for now i think you got to put q in there i feel like he's been showing the most that he's been able to you know, uh, at a consistent level, get you some decent minutes, get you some points, and if he can, if he can go in there with an attitude, man, he's a fun player to watch. And at the five, I mean, Malik Brown, Vintage had mentioned it earlier. He might be our best player. I I feel like Malik is up there. He's in talks. I feel like Judah probably takes that, but he's the the best defender for sure. Malik is. Um, I've been super impressed this entire year um, with what Malik has done. I was a little skeptical, admittedly. I am almost never right about these things, and I was never right about Malik because I was a little bit skeptical about his success. And he uh, he has really proved to me that he, he he can he can take on ACC competition and he can be um, a very successful player in ACC play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way Judah, JJ, and Malik are playing right now, I feel like you can make an argument either three of them are are, are our best player at the moment. They're playing really, really well, especially the way JJ's been playing recently. Obviously, we've gone over him already, but the way he's been playing has been electric. And I I, I know it's cliche, but I think he, he really is stepping into his true role being a shooting guard you know he's really looking to, to score more to score first. If you look at his assist numbers, he's he he's averaging less assists now later in the, in the season, which is which is good because he's looking to score, and he is scoring. So his confidence is up. His shot is looking better. He had a, kind of like a kink a little bit early on. He's been working with with G the very best we, we've one of our best shooters we, we've ever seen, and he's uh. He's right where he wants to be. It's uh, really good to see.
1: So my question for for all of you and for you, Zach, is how we've seen this team time and time again be able to, you know, have a ton of success. But the problem is, is that when we lose, we lose big. We talked about it last stream. The, what was it? The the best, Um, I don't want to say the best, but the least scoring differential that we've had on a loss has been what 16 points. That's not good. That's terrible. When we lose, we lose big time. So um, the question becomes, how can this team bottle up the success and, and start to you know, move it forward? How can we um, take what we're doing right now and be able to roll with it? Because I feel like at times we're still lacking that consistency. And when we're down, we're down a lot and we got to really dig ourselves out of a huge hole. That's the most frustrating part about this team. Sometimes it's just, we really get down on ourselves and then we got to really dig ourselves out of a hole. So the question becomes like, how do we bottle up success and move it forward for these big games that we got coming up?
0: I think that's the million dollar question. I think that's the, the question coaches around the world are, are trying to trying to answer and, yeah that, that is the question is how do you do it how do you how do you propel the energy how do you how do you invoke that energy from your team and i think that's really what it is like when these guys are playing with the, that that high level of energy where they're just locked in they play good defense that translates to offense they just you can just you can just feel the presence difference in in the way that they they play just on the simple things the small things and I I really don't know how how you replicate that. I I don't know. I I think that's kind of part of the charm or not charm of sports is like, it's kind of hard to, to replicate that sometimes. And you know, the best have found a way to do it, but it's hard to to do game to game, especially road trips and this and that it's, it's tough. Obviously it's never like you're not trying, but to, to go to that next level is, is, is tough. And I feel like,
1: uh, we get some big games coming up. We got UNC coming up. Obviously BC is uh our next opponent. Wake Forest after that will be a, a Q1 game. So, you know, there there's some good good squads coming up and this is really where the test is going to be is how are we going to be able to compete against teams like Wake Forest, like Boston College, like UNC and that will really, you know, propel us uh, in ACC tourney time. I mean, this is a young team. They, at no point did I expect us to uh, be undefeated in the season. And we were never going to be perfect, but we've shown time and time again that we can be a competitive team in March Madness in the ACC tournament. It's just how do we consistently get that competitive edge moving forward? And like you said, that might be the million dollar question moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, Scott makes a good point. He says it's all situational and being able to react game to game. One game at a time, one situation at a time, and you kind of do what you can. And, you know, we've been able to do that at times, and we've also not been able to do that at times. So it's tough. And, yeah, again, it's it's, it's, unfortunately, it is a million-dollar question.
1: So next up, Boston College. Last time we played them, Chris dropped 20 on them. Malik had 19, and more importantly, Quentin Post was held to zero. Sorry, I got my cord in the way there. Zero points. a egg. he had six rebounds. He also had seven turnovers. So I think that that's the guy that we got to, you know, last time that we talked about it, he was the guy that we really had to zero in on. We did. He had zero success. And uh, I feel like moving forward, he's been getting pretty good games in so far. I forgot who they just played, but he just had a a pretty decent game against whoever they played last. Um, You know, I'm I'm looking to see how we're going to be able to shut him down, and we've been having Boston College's number for a while. We just have to, you know, keep up that momentum, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a road game, so always always good to get a road W, but it's those are never given, so we got we got to earn it. Um, Hopefully, we are able to hold Quentin again to to a limited game. I think a lot of that was, was how aggressive we are, how, how Malik is, is able to defend him and just poke and prod and swipe the entire game. Yeah, I, we, we really, really... Yeah, he, his, his leading stat was seven turnovers. So if we're yeah. able to do that again, then I think we'll be in pretty good shape. But we're on the road. Where we are in an enemy territory. So we got to be on our game.
1: So tomorrow... 7 p.m. And then after that, it's a big game against wake forest. That's on Saturday. I believe that that's at noon. I don't know off the top of my head though, but um, yeah. So some big games we got coming up, Zach. Uh, it's going to be going to be fun. But my question to you is always who, who do you think we're going to be leaning on the most? Who, there's been a lot of team, a lot of players that have had a lot of great games coming up. Is it going to be JJ? Is it going to be Malik? Who do you think is that going to be? That guy that's going to keep it, you know, moving forward against Boston College. Who does this matchup favor more?
0: I think it it comes down to Malik and his his backup of of, of Peter, but but mainly Malik. If he, is he going to be able to to limit Quentin Post again? They're going to come in with a different game plan. They they know they have to play Malik differently. They know they can't just because of how good he is defensively. The way he he swipes and pokes and pros like we've already mentioned. He, he he makes people change the, the way their, their, their center plays. So they're going to come up with a different plan. There's no way they're going to just try to do it again. So it will be able to see what, what change they make and what we're able to do with it.
1: I fully agree with you. I think that if we're able to shut down Quentin Post, we're going to get a win. It's pretty simple as that. So uh, that game on ACC Network, 7 o'clock tomorrow, going to be a good one. Zach, I think that's gonna do it for us for our second live stream on on Insta.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, if anyone has last minute questions, feel free to throw them in the chat. But if not, I think we're gonna sign off and let you you enjoy the rest of your night.
1: Yeah, I I, I've really enjoyed this. We're gonna try to keep it uh every Mondays. We're gonna try to appreciate that, Scotty. Uh we're gonna try to keep it every Mondays, uh hopefully around the same time eight o'clock but uh yeah appreciate everybody stopping by and um we'll be talking to you after the wick forest win and the boston college win of course
0: yeah i think that's the plan so until then let's go cus let's go cus baby see you everybody see you everybody thanks for watching appreciate it